Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode 52 of The Informed Catholic, episode 52. So the readings are going to be for the fifth week of Ordinary Time, and today's reading is going to be for Friday of the fifth week of Ordinary Time. So before we go any further, please subscribe and share to my podcast so it would help it to grow. And if you like what I do, then please subscribe and share. So let's begin with the act of contrition in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri Alision, Kiri Alision, Kiri Alision, Christe Alision, Christe Alision, Christe Alision. Kiri Alision, Kiri Alision, Kiri Alision. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ. With the Holy Spirit and the glory of God the Father, Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so, um, let's read uh, today. Uh, today we're going to continue reading from the, um, the Book of Kings. Actually, no, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to skip that. Since I, uh, I actually am looking at this, this is something I do think we should read. This is actually the proper seasonal uh reading of this year it's the book of genesis and it's chapter three it's the beguiling of the serpent so why not read this part right and okay so we can explore it and understand what's happening here Ch genesis chapter three verse one to eight you will be like gods knowing what is good and what is evil now the serpent was the most cunning of all the animals that the Lord God had made. The serpent asked the woman, Did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? The woman answered the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. It is only about the fruit of the trees in the middle of the garden that God said you shall not eat, of, eat it or even touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You certainly will not die. No, God knows well that the moment you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like gods who know what is good and what is evil. The woman saw the tree was good 
for food pleasing to the eyes and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some of the fruit and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. When they heard the sound of the Lord God a-moving about in the garden at the breezy time of the day, the man and his wife hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's read it one more time. A reading from the book of Genesis, the first book of Moses. You will be like gods, knowing what is good and what is evil. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the animals that the Lord God had made. The serpent asked the woman, Did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? The woman answered the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. It is only about the fruit of the trees in the middle of the garden that God said, You shall not eat it or even touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You certainly will not die. No, God knows well that the moment you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like gods who, who know what is good and what is evil. The woman saw the tree was good for food. Please, uh, the, the woman saw, I'm sorry, th that the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eyes and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. The eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. When they heard the sound of the Lord God moving about in the garden of the, of the breezy time of day, the man and his wife hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay. So this is the, uh, this is the, uh, the big, the big, um, I guess you can say cosmic collapse. And it's one that unfortunately today, Many people refuse to believe in it because we believe in science and we know better than our ancestors. We know more than any of them. And I have to say, honestly, um, that is dangerous because we don't know everything. We don't know everything and unfortunately one of the biggest problems i think the biggest proof to me that we don't know everything is the fact of evil the mystery of evil the the constant plague of violence sin um war disease lying lust Perversion, sadness, corruption, uh, war, governments, nation against nation. Um, it's, it's always there.
the breaking up of families, uh, brother against brother. I mean, it's all there. It's all pretty much there. And I think why, okay, why does Genesis, why does God tell us the story in in this kind of in this kind of um theme like a like a mythological theme i'm using the word myth not as a fairy tale i'm i'm using the word myth not as like you can say pagan mythology uh tolkien tolkien used the word myth as a complementary uh to in in when it comes to the bible he calls he calls the bible the greatest of all mytholo- uh, myths as God's myth, not in, not as a fairy tale, not not something weaved by by human beings by human imagination. And I understand what he's saying because it's it's a story. And I think I I understand I understand why he uses that word because God communicates it in this fashion. He's telling it's a truth. He's not saying it's not true. I, I I tend to believe it is true, but he's telling it in a way that he knows that human beings can can uh, comprehend it. And he also is doing it as a challenge. I think the reason why God does this is because it's a challenge. It's a challenge to to the arrogant and intellectual to the so-called know-it-all, to the college professor, to the philosopher. Remember what our Lord said, I thank you, Heavenly Father, for revealing this not to the wise and learned, but to the simple and humble, to the, to the, to, to the meek. It, you, you know, it is, it is true. Now, The serpent, the word serpent, it doesn't say snake. Artists have made that mistake because language is so is very challenging. The word serpent in the Hebrew and in the ancient Semitic is actually referring to him to, to the to this to this being as a dragon. If you notice in the end of the book of Revelation, there's a dragon. Um a good example is this. Um, I don't know if you're into looking at icons, but those of you who are um, Eastern Eastern Orthodox Christians, the image of St. George and the dragon. Okay. The dragon is actually a symbol of the emperor, but it also is the symbol of the devil, the fallen angel. Okay, it is the symbol. Now, St. George is piercing the dragon. Notice his lance. If you look at an icon of St. George, he's, the lance is right into, sometimes it usually is supposed to be right into the dragon's mouth, his jaws. Piercing, calling, uh, piercing, attacking the lies that the dragon speaks. Okay, that is... Uh, it's the emperor, the Roman emperor, who was persecuting Christians. Same thing, you will notice an image of St. Michael 
and and usually Saint Michael, either he's standing on the the the, the, the devil with his usually um, foot on his neck, and usually the the lance is either going through his head or right through his mouth. Again, calling the fact that he speaks lies. Now, are they both fairy tales? No. Are they um, myths Myths um, conceived out of the minds of men? No. Is it a myth that comes from God, meaning a story, a great story, a truth that comes from God told in poetic language, told in 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 poetic form yes everybody tells stories about their ancestors in poetic form um the early part of the old testament is told that way the story of cain and abel it is a truth it is absolutely true violence a man did murder his brother every man murders his brother but it is a truth the problem is, is that because science and human beings want to run away, they want to run away from their, uh, their story. They want to run away from, from a truth. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear about how evil, wicked we are. And it's true. I mean, now... Was Adam and Eve naked? Well, here's the thing. This is not a, this is not something uh, that everybody has, has agreed on the interpretation. They had the glory of God, the glory of God clothed, that clothed them. Jesus often talks about a white garment. Now, I wasn't there. I didn't see what Adam and Eve looked like. I'm sure they looked extremely beautiful. I'm sure they looked far more beautiful than any supermodel or uh, that we see on the covers of magazine. I'm sure they looked more fantastic than I'm sure Adam and Eve surpassed all the beauty of all of all human beings. But when they ate the fruit, the nakedness was the loss of the glory of God that I can, I can interpret it that way that they lost something. They lost the sanctification, the, the glory, the grace. It was gone. It disappeared and they felt alone and they felt it was a naked, a different kind of nakedness. It was a nakedness that was spiritual, cosmic, spiritual, you could say whatever, however way you want to interpret it. Empty and frightening and alone and fearful. They lost. They lost that connection with God. They lost the presence of God. They lost God. They lost God completely, and that's what happened. Their eyes were opened. Was it opened really? Or they lost sight of something. They lost sight of God's glory. 
Was it the eyes of their physical eyes, the physical world, or was it they lost the spiritual eyes? It's, a, it's an interesting question. Now, um, the, then the eyes of both of them were opened. <laughs> but you see, they took something without God. They reached out to knowledge without God. They made a move without God. They made a they, they they made a move to understand something without God, and they passed it on to all of us a spiritual disease that we couldn't control. We couldn't we 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 weren't you know we weren't we weren't capable of controlling our senses, our impulses, our impulses, our mind, our body, and spirit is constantly at war with each other, and we're we're constantly at war, and it's a struggle. To, to focus on God, to believe, to keep our mind on God and to, you know, to, to control our, our lower appetites. We're constantly at war with each other. And that's what happened. Um, this later on got passed down to their sons and their other children. And then finally the whole world, not just us, but the animals were no longer connected with us. The, the, everything changed. The, <laughs> The weather, the 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 the, the trees, um, the the planet, animals suddenly were you know were were hostile towards us, and and we were disconnected with God, and we're constantly at war. All right, let's go to um, Psalm thirty-two. All right, so Psalm thirty-two. And the response is, blessed are those whose sins are forgiven. Blessed are those whose sins are forgiven. Blessed is he whose fault is taken away, whose sin is covered. Blessed the man to whom the Lord imputes not guilt, in whose spirit there is no guile. Blessed are those whose sins are forgiven. Then I acknowledge my sin to you, my guilt I covered not. I said, I confess my faults to the Lord, and you took away the guilt of my sin. Blessed are those whose sins are forgiven. For this shall every faithful man pray to you in time of stress. Though deep waters overflow, they shall not reach, they shall not reach him. Blessed are those whose sins are forgiven. You are my shelter from distress. You will preserve me with glad cries of free freedom. You will ring you will ring me round. Blessed are those whose sins are forgiven. I don't think that ended very well there. With glad cries of freedom you will ring me round. Well, I guess I I know I've heard it better in other translations. All right. Um Blessed are those whose sins are forgiven. Blessed is he whose fault is taken away, whose sin is covered. Blessed the man to whom the Lord imputes not guilt, in whose spirit there is no guile. I have to say, I always love the Psalms because I think the Psalms are, uh, are an absolute miracle, a beautiful uh, 
a work of art, but also an absolute spiritual beauty. Um, the Psalms are just unbelievable. You could find so much comfort and so much in it. You could find Psalms that express the distress you're feeling, the anger you're feeling, the anxiety. It, it's calming. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a, tr it's a beautiful treasure chest of prayers. I don't think there's any religion in the world that can compare to it. I'm sorry. I, you can't find any any book that can compare to the way the psalms the psalms are and i know i know that it's um you know for the jewish people i'm sure it's it's beautiful in hebrew but when it's translated correctly in any language when it's done properly it's a treasure chest it's beautiful um sometimes when i'm praying uh, i'm praying a particular psalm it brings tears to my eyes because you 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 really can you you know with your with if you can't find words to express love to God you can do it in the Psalms. You know sins you know guilt wiped out you know it's beautiful. Blessed the man who whom the Lord imputes not guilt, in whose spirit there is no guile. Then I acknowledge my sin to you, my guilt I covered not. I said I confess my faults to the Lord, and you took away the guilt of my sin. It's beautiful. Um, for this shall every faithful man pray to you in times of stress. Though deep waters overflow, they shall not reach him. A lot of people often, often when they're overwhelmed, overwhelmed with debt, overwhelmed with problems, health problems, um, bad choices that they made that they feel they've th they might have hurt people by bad by sins um and regret that often really um can keep can really hurt, um destroy a person especially of of bad sinful choices god you know god God can strengthen us. God always strengthens us. If we turn to him and if we really, really repent and, you know, it it may not fix the problem because God, God respects our free will and, but sins, sins and anger, the worst part is anger. The worst part is someone can't let go of their anger, can't let go of the pain that they've been hurt by another person, can be more destructive, can be more destructive because holding on to anger is pride. You are my shelter from distress. You will preserve me with loud cries of freedom. You will ring Ring me around. I, I really think that's a, that could have been a better translation there. Um, and maybe with, with freedom, you will, you will, you know, you will lift me up. I think that would have probably, uh, who knows? I got to look it up. <laughs> but it's, you know, there. unfortunately, not every translator gets it right. And this is something important because the thing is the devil loves to hold on to our guilt. He's an accuser. He's the one who wants us to believe despair 
Despair is the worst sin. That's the worst sin, despair. Believing that there is no forgiveness. And a lot of people, want. sometimes they want that person to feel or experience despair. But they can never be forgiven. That is even, that's even, that's like murder. That's like spiritual murder right there. Okay, because you are now far, because now the, what that person did, if that person is asking for forgiveness, then don't think that God doesn't know that. But if you want that person not to believe that they're forgiven because you want them you want them to you want them to feel hurt, you want them to feel to feel pain, and you refuse to forgive, then you're just as good as a murderer. A spiritual murder. Okay. Uh, let's go to the gospel reading. Okay. Alleluia, alleluia. Open our hearts, O Lord, to listen to the words of your Son. Alleluia, alleluia. Taken from Acts chapter 16, verse 14. Alleluia, alleluia. Open our hearts, O Lord, to listen to the words of your Son. Alleluia, alleluia. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark chapter 7, verse 31 to 37. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Jesus left the district of Tyre and went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee into the district of Decapolis. And people brought to him a deaf man who had a speech impediment and begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him off by himself away from the crowd. He put his fingers into the man's ears and spitting touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and groaned and said to him, Ephathatha, that is, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened and his speech impediment was removed. And he spoke plainly. He ordered them not, he ordered them not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them not to, the more they proclaimed it. They were exceedingly astonished, and they, and they said, He has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. One more time. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 7, verse 31 to 37. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Jesus left the district of Tyre and went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, in the district of Decapolis, and people brought to him a deaf man who had a speech impediment, and begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him off by himself, away from the crowd. He put his finger into the man's ears, and spitting touched his tongue, and then he looked up to heaven and groaned, and said to him, Ephathatha, that is, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened and his speech impediment was removed. And he ordered them not, uh, not, um, he ordered them not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them not to, the more they proclaimed it. They were exceedingly astonished. And they said, he has done all things. Well, he makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. All right. One more time. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, 
chapter 7, verse 31 to 37. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Jesus left the district of Tyre and went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, in the district of Decopolis, and people brought to him a deaf man who had a speech impediment, and he begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him um, off by himself, away from the crowd. He put his finger into the man's ears and spitting touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and groaned and said to him, Ephathatha, that is, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened and his speech impediment was removed and he spoke plainly. He ordered them not to tell anyone. But the more he ordered them not to, the more they proclaimed it. They were exceedingly astonished, and they said, He has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. So, we're, um, it's interesting. We're dealing with um, either seeing eyes opened and we're also dealing with sins. We're also dealing with deaf and mute. Um, <laughs> now, um, how do we connect this to what we have read? Well, we, I can we can say this definitely that the fall of Adam and Eve caused uh, physical uh, physical problems, diseases, uh, difficulty of listening, difficulty of speaking, um, difficulty of confessing sins, uh, impediments, impediments that uh, get in the way in our uh, with God. And the fact is, it's sin. Sin is the greatest impediment. It's something that we don't see, but sin is an action. We have difficulty of controlling our uh, impulses. We have difficulty controlling um, temptation, what we see, what we hear, what we speak. What we, uh, what we look at, we want to touch. We want to touch something we shouldn't touch. We want to look at something we shouldn't look. We want to, you know, we, we want to stop ourselves from speaking things that we shouldn't be talking about. And these are, you know, these are, of course, caused by temptation and, 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 and impediments that are in the way of our, of our relationship with God and also that destroy our relationship with people. Jesus, they bring a man. Now, I don't know. Maybe they brought the guy because they want to test him. Possibly. But we just, in the last episode, we, we met a woman who is a Syrio-Phoenician Greek woman who had a daughter who was possessed in the district of Tyre. So it seems to be, you know, obviously... Like today, we get a lot of people who are sick, a lot of people who are mentally disturbed, and and we got a lot of um, poverty, we got a lot of pain, we got a lot of suffering, we got a lot, a lot of mental illness, we got a lot of um, people uh, who are miserable. And, you know, and sometimes it could be because of maybe they're born that way, maybe they're, maybe they, they don't have the proper medication, obviously, but this impediment this the sin the sin is the cause the root of everything the root of all our pain and 
Anyway, there's a city called Decopolis, and that's a Greek city. It was built by Herod the Great, or most likely also um, his son, uh, Herod Antipas, um, who's like sort of has a district of Galilee, collects a lot of taxes. And in the area there, and obviously where Tyre is, there's a lot of intermingling, a lot of intermingling of different people, along with the Jews, but also with the Greeks and other cultures, and they bring their gods and everything. But the people here, they bring this man. Why they brought him, and they don't say, what's so special about this guy? We don't. They, they just want to see if he can heal him. And Jesus takes him aside. And... Um, he puts his finger into the man's ears and spitting touched his tongue. And he looked up to heaven and he groaned and said to him, Ephapatha, that is be opened. It's Aramaic. It's Aramaic. We have the word iftah, uh, iftah, which is, means opened in, in common today Arabic, but his ears, he's deaf. And he has an impediment. He stutters, can't say things. Uh, so Jesus takes him aside away from the crowd. He's not going to give them what they want. He's going to do this apart from the crowd. And, his, and he, he opened. But it's funny what happens here. Immediately the man's ears were opened and his speech impediment was removed. And he spoke plainly. He, Jesus ordered them not to tell anyone. But the more he ordered them, the more they proclaimed it. Suddenly now they can't shut up. <laughs> the, the man can't shut up. But that's because the idea behind it is that they're, they're speaking the good news. They're preaching the good news. They're telling everybody what, has, what Jesus has done for them. That Jesus has, has cured a man's, that the man can hear and the man can now proclaim the gospel. Remember what he told the demoniac. This is a little different. He tells a demoniac to go back home and tell your friends and family how much mercy the Lord has shown you. And the next time Jesus passes by, they recognize Jesus and they bring their sick. So I think when it comes to a crowd that just wants to see entertainment, Jesus doesn't care to, Jesus doesn't care to entertain them. And so he, he'll, He'll use a different kind of subtlety. Don't tell everybody what happened. But at the same time, they're telling everybody what happened. It's the opposite effect. It's strange. I, it's strange. Maybe because they're not, they're not looking for faith. They're looking for entertainment. They're looking for a magic trick. They're looking for, they're looking to see, maybe because their faith is more superstitious. But in the case of other, other uh, like the Syrophoenician woman, the Greek Syrophoenician woman, to her, it's not entertainment. She's looking for faith. She's looking for the answer to her daughter's possession. She wants her daughter's, she wants her daughter cured. She's not looking for entertainment. She wants her daughter liberated from this demon. She wants her daughter released from this, uh, from captivity. And it's the same thing with the demoniac. You know, he was possessed. But in his case, Jesus tells him, go and tell everybody. In the synagogue, 
when he healed uh, some possessed people back in Capernaum, the people were amazed that he was teach. He he commands even the demons. Not not only does he teach with authority, he commands evil spirits with authority. For them, it's a confirmation of faith that Jesus is true. Later on, they bring their sick, they bring their possessed to the door, to the door of Simon Peter's house. Now Jesus stands at the door, like it says in, in, in the scriptures, behold, I stand at the door. They bring their sick to, to, to be, to be, to be healed. It's, it's the answer they needed. They need from the sin that holds them captive. The sin that holds them captive spiritually, the sin that holds you captive uh, at your conscience and your uh, conscience, your broken conscience, your, your conscience that's 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 really wounded because of sinful behavior, and the sin that holds people captive physically, health-wise. Jesus is the answer, and this is what they, this is what people are looking for. So it depends on the people. If they're looking for entertainment, they're not looking for faith then it's going to be, Jesus is going to respond differently. You know, he's going to tell them not to do it, but in, but in reaction, the response is that they're going to do it. They're going to go, they're going to go tell everybody. It's strange. Does he want people to know? I think he does, but he doesn't want people who are looking for entertainment. So like voyeurism, they're not looking for the answer. They're looking because they're just curious not because they're seeking for the answer to their problem. So he's trying to cure that voyeurism. He's trying to get rid of that annoying uh, person, like a sideshow. He doesn't want to be a sideshow. He wants to cure you and heal you. When he told the, the woman, it's not good, the children's food should not be given to dogs, he was he was answering to shame the apostles of how they how they think because she said to them my daughter is possessed she said to him my daughter is possessed she probably told the apostles i need him to help me my daughter is possessed and they probably said to her we are not, you know we're not here to help gentiles that's probably what they were telling her go away he's not he's not for you and she came and knelt down begging and what does he say it's not good to give the children food to dogs. And she said, but yes, but the, even the dogs get the scraps that fall from the table, from the children's table. That was to shame the apostles. He wanted her to say something to shame the apostles because he's come for everybody. He came for all, all the people. I mean, come on. If those of you are Muslim, you know you you know Muslims say the same thing about non-Muslims, right? Kafir, infidel. That's basically what he was saying. He was saying it's not good to give the food of the children to the infidels, to the infidel dog. It's not unusual. Everybody thinks this way. Every culture talks about it. But the truth is, is this what God says? Is this what God thinks? No. You, you cause a Muslim to bleed and a, and a non-Muslim to bleed, a Jew or a Christian or a Buddhist, everybody bleeds blood, red blood. You couldn't tell the difference. But the problem is, it's that 
the attitude. Jesus himself didn't come to set up a race of people. He didn't come to set up a nation of people. Christianity is doesn't have borders. Christianity Christians don't have uh, a particular look to them. It has nothing to do with that. It's 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 you know countercultural, cross cultural, everything you can think of. It's faith, and Jesus wants to bring out the faith. That was that's what God wants. He wants a harvest of faith. Okay, that's why Christians don't have any particular sacred language. The Gospels were originally written in Greek, in a particular style of Greek. In in among the Latins, the the Western Christians, usually in the Roman Catholic one, it's it's in Latin, but that technically doesn't have to be. It could be in any any language. In the Middle East, it could be Aramaic, but it can be in it can be in Arabic. It could be in common Arabic. It doesn't it doesn't there's no God doesn't care for any particular sacred language. Yes, he gave a revelation to the Jews. And they're originally written in Hebrew. But again, if you read the scriptures, my house is a house of prayer for all nations. So it's not just for them, it's for the whole world. At first it was for them, but technically the intention is the whole world. Now, you know, if you are Muslim, I invite you to get your hands on a Bible if you can. And read it for yourself. Read it for yourself. It's not going to burn you. I mean, you could listen to it even on your on your phone. You can download it in Arabic and listen to it. If you don't want anybody to know, if you don't want to be caught with a Bible, I understand the difficulty in an Islamic environment, but you should have the freedom to look it out, to, to search out the scriptures, to search out and to, and to search out the truth. It's, you know, I understand the prejudices. I understand the cultural taboos but you can look it up it's not impossible all right let's um let's end it here with prayer in the name of the father son and holy spirit our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so uh, please remember to subscribe and share. Um, it would be a great help. And if you want, go to my Facebook page, The Informed Catholic on Facebook, and join the group. You can send me a message if you have questions. I'll be I'll do the best I can to answer them. Really, um, go to the Facebook page and um, just join the group. Join the group. I'll be very happy to answer any of your questions if I can. Um, I'm not perfect. I don't. 
I know it's not very elegant sometimes when I talk, but I try the best I can. Um, but thank you, and uh, we'll be back together again soon.